0: let's quickly go on to god's word this morning shall we turn our bibles to isaiah chapter 44 and we read verses 1 to 5 isaiah chapter 44 verses 1 to 5 but now listen o jacob my servant israel whom i have chosen this is what the lord says he who made you who formed you in the womb and who will help you do not be afraid O Jacob my servant Jeshur and whom I have chosen for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants they will spring up like grass in a meadow like poplar trees by flowing streams one will say I belong to the Lord another will call himself by the name of Jacob still another will will write on his hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel Now this amazing portion of scripture that we find where the prophet Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel and while he speaks to them, he gives them a clear instruction or a clear prophetic word, um, talking to them about the future of their lives, what God has in store for their future. Now every one of us, we all love to know what is going to happen in our future. There's nobody in this world who does not like to know what will happen tomorrow. (laughs) That's why you see astrologers and all those kinds of people, you know, flourishing and making good business because the palmistry and all of these things that you see down the street with a parrot trying to say what, uh, it'll pick something and and they interpret it and say what's going to happen. Why all of this? Because people want to know what will happen to them. But. Beyond what the parrot down the street knows or what the palmistry can predict um, or probably even if he might be able to predict something, we have a God who is in control of everything that happens in our future. He ordains everything. He pre-plans everything. And that's exactly the story that we heard this morning uh, as Kevin was sharing the testimony of how everything fell into place at the right time. And um, you see how God is speaking to the people of Israel about what he has in store for them in the future. He's talking about the descendants to come. He's talking about the offspring, which is obviously talking about the days ahead. And uh, you see that as he speaks through the prophet and as he's speaking to the people of Israel, the people of Israel have failed God many times. This is the background. This is the situation. They go away from him, they stray into idolatry, they very often do the practices of the cultures uh, in the neighboring nations, whatever is practiced there, they, they begin to adapt to that, they begin to leave the word of God, they begin to leave the instructions of God, they, uh, they bring a disgrace to the name of God. And God is angry with them and very often he would banish them into captivity or he would allow uh, enemy kingdom to come and take possession of them or come and attack them or probably sometimes it would be a famine, a drought or a plague or something might come and destroy many of their lives, all that he was doing so that the people would somehow come back to him. and. here you see that God is building up this great expectation of his people not giving a false hope but revealing his plan for their future he's working it out for the generations to come you see our God is a God who is not just a God of the now but he's also the God of the future he sees through several generations he sees through several uh, you know peoples that are going to be born and he knows everything ahead of time he's working it out and as israel is called to come back and god is reaching out to them by raising up a high level of expectation in their minds about what he is about to do for them he's calling them to return back that's one of the ways that he's in other words, literally alluring them to come back to him, to be in fellowship with him, in relationship with him. Because very often the relationship was severed. And you see here in verses 1 to 5, the passage we read, the first couple of verses, we see God is speaking to the people of Israel, calling them, O Jacob, my servant, Israel whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says He who made you, formed you in the womb and who will help you don't be afraid oh Jacob my servant Jeshurun, whom I have chosen the one who forms us in the womb and and Jacob and Israel are his people he's calling them as his chosen and his servant Uh, primarily he's basically going back to the covenant that he made with Abraham he's talking about the covenant that he made with Abraham Isaac and Jacob and calling them to be a people of his own to be a chosen people so that in uh, in them he will reveal his glory into their lives he will uh, you know show his majesty and his power and uh, through them to the nations of the world and so he goes back to call uh, recall the uh, the covenant that he made with them the promises he gave them telling them that you are my people you are my chosen people taking full ownership of them because they were acting like they were strangers to god they were acting like they were enemies of god that's why the bible says while we were enemies of god god came to us jesus died for us hallelujah amen that's how we were behaving that's how the people of israel were behaving as if they were strangers to god but god is calling them and saying that they are his you know and he takes possession or he takes ownership of them he becomes very possessive of them this is the way in fact actually man should be appealing to God and saying God you gave me all of these promises I am your we are your covenant people and I am your child and so come to me come to help me and I want to be with you you know uh, bless me this is how a child of God must be going to God but here you see God coming to man you know taking on this appeal of going back to the covenant and the ownership that he the promises that he gave them and saying you know i am the one who chose you you are mine you are my chosen people you are and you are my servants and you know, Jacob, Israel, don't be afraid. I'm here to help you. He's coming to them, reaching out to them in spite of they straying away from them. And you see the love of God here. That's the first thing that we look at, you know, as we're talking about um, uh, the master and his plan. There's a master plan that he has and the master has his plan. And we're talking about that in this whole passage and we see the love of God. uh, Number one, God's love for us. Now we all know at a superficial level oh yes god loves us god loves everybody god loves the whole world god so loved the world that he gave his only son whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life we know that god is love in his very nature Uh, you know as his uh, character is love we know who he is as uh, the one who gives love and he pours out his love into the hearts of people we see all of that we know all of that now it's one thing to know it but totally another thing to absolutely experience it in reality and you see that here see it here um, he tells them don't be afraid because you are you know uh, you are mine you are my chosen people and he takes this appeal back saying I am I have chosen you I formed you in the womb and you are my servant Jeshur and whom I have chosen. He's going back to the chosenness, the choice that he made over their lives, the covenant that he made with them, the promise he gave to them. And this is who our God is. It's amazing. In fact, the way that we should be appealing to God, God comes appealing to us. We should be appealing to God saying, Lord, you chose me. Lord, you are my God. We should be running to him and saying, God, I need your help. I'm afraid, but he comes to his children and and out of love, he says, appealing to the covenant that he made with them, appealing to the choice that he made on their lives, that you are mine, you are my chosen people. And he comes to them um, and instead of putting an end to their lives because of their sin, instead of calling off the covenant and calling off the promises, and instead of leaving them in the hands of the captors, and instead of banishing them forever, he goes back to remember that he has chosen his people. They are his. Hallelujah. Even though they have disobeyed him again and again, he goes back and says, you are mine. Hallelujah. Which which person on on the face of this earth will ever do that? Who will ever do that? Well, somebody has done things that are against us. We will only say, oh, it's better that I don't have anything to do with them. You know, because they've repeatedly done things that have hurt us, that have harmed us repeatedly spoken things or done things that have you know gone against our expectations or desires or what we've told them to do and and at some point sometimes we give up on some relationships and we say oh it's better that you know I even don't have these kind of people in my life that's how we see some unfortunately some families even break up because it becomes it comes to a point where they are not able to tolerate it anymore they are not able to put up with it anymore they are not able to bear up under it anymore And so they give up on it. But our God is not a God who gives up on us. That's his true love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To do good to somebody who has done good to us is no big deal. But to continue to be good to someone who has never done anything good, who is not worth our goodness, is a big deal. Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? Amen. That's who our God is. Even though we have not done good and we have not fared enough, you know to be worthy of him of his love and please him but yet he loves us that's true love that is divine love that is a that is a love of God that's the difference between man's love and God's love hallelujah and so we see how God loves his people so he tells them don't be afraid because you are his chosen people And so you and I can always fall back on his love. However far you might go away from God. Whatever be the things that you might do to displease God. How many of times you might have broken the command of God and the teachings of scriptures. You might have blown it off. You say, I blew it. That's it. It's over. God is just going to throw me into hell. But even still, God appeals to his choice that he had made over his love, over your life. And that is his true divine love hallelujah you can always be rest assured that whenever you come to God he's there for you and he's never against you amen hallelujah he's never he never breaks his covenant because he's a faithful God he's a covenant keeping God the covenant he made is you know is held by his faithfulness not because of our goodness amen Hallelujah, the covenant and the faithfulness of God extended to us is held together by his faithfulness, by his goodness and not because we have fared and we have been found worthy enough because we will never be worthy enough. Amen, hallelujah, but he makes us worthy because he is worthy, hallelujah, because he is faithful, he causes us to be faithful also by extending his love and acceptance to us, by forgiving us. And so he tells them not to be afraid because we are his chosen people and this is true love. Don't doubt or question God's love at any time in your life even if you might be going through the most horrible situation. People of Israel had disobeyed and strayed away from God and they were going through so many times of you know punishments but yet it was all to correct them so that God will be you know drawing him back to them all these people should come back all these people should change they should come back to his love it was as it was never his will to banish them forever even though sometimes in his anger he said it he said let me blot out you know their name from the face of the earth but when moses interceded god always had mercy hallelujah and he came to them even while nobody was there to intercede he said my own arm will work out salvation amen Hallelujah, even if there's nobody who's praying for you, even if nobody is there to intercede for you, even if nobody there to stand in the gap for you, God will reach out to you and he will continue to keep reaching out to us and extending his love. And would you respond to his love? and this is what we read in first Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 7 uh, 1 to 7 if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge and if I have a faith that can move the mountains but do not have love I am nothing if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love I gain nothing love is patient love is kind does not envy does not boast it is not proud it is not dishonor others it is not self-seeking it is not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects it always trusts always hopes always perseverance perseveres the 14 qualities of love that you see here isn't it amazing hallelujah this is what is true love and the love of God and this is the kind of love that God has upon your life brother sister maybe you misunderstood about God for a very long time you always probably think that God is mad at you you probably think of how you look at yourself or how others look at you and assume that that's how God is looking at you no God sees you in a very different way God does not see us like man sees us. God sees us like how? He, only he can see. We have no idea of how God will see. Hallelujah. The way he would love us, the way he reaches out to us, the love that he has for us is incredible, is amazing. He never takes away his love away from you. Hallelujah. People in the world, the philosophy of the world goes like this. If you good, be good to me, I will be good to you. If you be good to me, I will be good to you. That's not how God loves us. That's not how his goodness is. And now beginning with that, you see the master plan of God unfolding. It begins with his love and quickly number two, the the blessing is the spirit of God. God's spirit given to us. That's the greatest blessing. This is something that nobody can buy with money. This is something that nobody can earn it for themselves. This is just purely out of God's pure love and grace. The giving of his spirit. God's spirit. And that's the blessing you see coming upon his people in verse 3 and 4. This is God's plan. For I will pour water on thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. In verse 4, they will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. You see this, the spirit of God coming upon the people of God and given as a gift to God's people and the offspring and the descendants to come. Now we as many of us who are parents here have many dreams for our families, for our children. We have great expectations and we desire that they will study well. Why? Because if they study well, they will get an admission in a good college. If they get admission in a good college and they do well there, they will get placed in a good company you know at the end of the final year and they're closing in on the education you know when they come uh, when uh, campus recruitments come and they will get placed in a good company microsoft wipro or amazon infosys you know other than these half a dozen companies everything else is useless no sorry (laughs) i rubbed many people on the wrong side this morning many of you woke up probably now and so that's the great expectation in the minds of many people or if not uh, write a competitive exam cat mat dog whatever you know and and write some exam and go abroad and then get into uh, a good college and um and do higher studies and then once you've done that and then you can say oh this is uh, usa certified bride uh, and <laughs> and then and then the dream is that this is a great Indian dream like what used to be called as a great American dream this is a great Indian dream you know and then once the education was over and you got placed in a good job and then you have a big fat uh, you know at least close to a six-figure salary uh, <laughs> and then what happens is that you have to rent out uh, lady auditorium or bkn and have the greatest wedding and the reception possible with a uh, tall thin fair girl um, you know that's the definition of who, who's the perfect bride and then uh, the dream is that you know they will fly away somewhere to one of these nations or be in a very very highly placed good job then next thing is for the takes of then the tax comes in and then you have excess of income and the tax comes and then you have to invest in an apartment and then the story goes on and on. And so there are great expectations. Then they should, uh, you know, in the, in the next nine months after marriage, they should be having something like this in their hands. Um, and if not, then everybody's asking, the whole. all the women in the city will ask, oh, what, what's happening? Any good news? You know. If not, it will upset and trouble everybody. And so this is a great dream with which everybody lives with. And right from the time when the baby is born like this, they are planning for when this baby is going to be married and what's going to happen and... They already started planning. They already started, uh, you know, uh, saving money and uh, FDs and investments. And, you know, everything is happening because they have this great dream about what has to happen. But this is a dream that God has for your life. Would you like to have a dream that God has for your child? Amen. Would you like to have a dream that God has for your child? Or would you like to have your own dream? Do you like the great Indian dream or God's dream for your child? Amen, hallelujah. It's good for those parents who love to have God's dream for their child rather than their own great Indian dream. And this is what it is in verse 3 and 4. And I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I'll pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees. By flowing streams. This This is God's dream for your generations to come hallelujah whether you have this great indian dream fulfilled or not make sure that you have god's dream fulfilled for your family amen god is saying that he wants to pour out his spirit upon his people and his descend- and the descendants of the people of israel what more can you ask for than the very presence of the third person of the trinity dwelling in the hearts and lives of your children hallelujah If they have it, they got it all. Hallelujah. Don't worry if they only earn a five-figure salary. You know, today it's become only. Don't worry about it. And that's the big pressure that's there in many people's lives. Oh, somehow we need to cross that six, number six, you know, figures. And this is this expectation that is there. And that is driving people to many, many wrong decisions one of the guys whom we know you know had this great Indian dream like what I described and so he made it somehow after five times of failing to make it to the states for his higher education and finally he made it he armed with God he went to every prophet and prophetess possible and made them to prophesy that he would go to America and he prayed somehow God should take me to America and somehow he made it and then it took about three to four years for him to finish his post-graduation and then by the time he became uh, obsolete because he had not finished on time and so he couldn't get into a full-fledged job and so he went on to work part-time projects and here and there somehow for survival and probably over 10 years he stayed there finally unfortunately he came back jobless after staying there for over 10 years because he was not pursuing God's dream he was pursuing his own dream he was pursuing the dreams of his you know aunties children and his uncle's daughter and son and because of that what happened was unfortunately very unfortunately he came without a job and when he was trying to get married so he put out saying he's working in a place and all of that and we didn't we didn't, we, didn't, we could see that he was not working anywhere and so the girls would call up because he would give our number as a pastor's number on the matrimonial websites most dangerous thing to do and so they would call up and they would ask so where is he working and we would have to tell the truth oh he's not working anyway. well it says he's working and then you ask him you say no actually i'm working just that i don't have a job just that i don't get paid but i have a job actually i have i am working but i just that i don't get paid and so this girl calls me from Mumbai and uh, she's going to be, um, you know, she was a doctorate in chemistry or something like that uh, from IIT and very well educated person. She, she calls me and says, you know, how is this person? How You know, do, Where does he work? I said, I don't know if he was working, but what I see is that he's not working. I see him going around everywhere here. Uh, It doesn't look like he's in a full fledged job, but you need to check with him. And then she says, No, he said he's working. He's got a job uh, in the US and he's going to get back. He's going to buy a house, he's going to buy a Lamborghini and he's going to settle down and forever, forever they're going to be happily married forever. Oh, well, I didn't know what to say after that. I said, You have to inquire. You see, because he was pursuing this great Indian dream, what happened is that dream simply collapsed flat to the ground and did not pursue the spirit of god did not pursue the presence of god did not pursue the holy spirit did not want god's blessing and god's leading the spirit of god leading him and blessing him in his life it's absolutely fine to do higher education and go abroad and work and settle and uh, do whatever you know you love to do please do it i'm not against all of that don't get me wrong but what i'm saying is that beyond All of the work that we do in the world today, beyond whatever expectations we have for our lives and our children, let's have the greatest expectation that God has. He wants to give us His Spirit and upon our offspring and upon our descendants. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If your child is filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the greatest blessing that you can ever expect for God to give them. Amen. And celebrate it. Hallelujah. Don't worry about anything else that might they may not have right now at the moment. They may not be earning as much as their friends. They may not be earning as much as your your sister's daughter or your brother's son. Don't worry about Don't compare yourself, your family, your husband, your wife, your child with other families. Do they have the Spirit of God? Does your husband have the Spirit of God? Does your wife have the Spirit of God? Your son, your daughter, do they have the Spirit of God? If they have the Spirit of God, thank God for that. That's the greatest blessing. Hallelujah. You can't ask for anything more. Pray for that if they don't have it. Pray that God will open their eyes of understanding so that they will also be blessed by his spirit. Pray that God will give you, you know, uh, the grace to lead them to all of this blessing. And you see, this is what God is saying. I'll pour out water on thirsty land, streams on dry ground. And I'll pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. He's looking for those who are thirsty. He's looking for those who have gone dry. Who have gone dry probably at one time you were filled one time you had the presence of god one time you had the spirit of god one time you were in a close relationship with god and enjoying his love and you were filled with his spirit and probably now gone dry he's looking for those who are thirsty who are hungry who are looking who are seeking the bible says in matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled Hallelujah. You hunger and thirst for the things of God. God will certainly fill you. God will not let you go. God will not, you know, leave you, you know, empty and dry. He will fill you. Pray for the spirit. God will not pass by the thirsty. He did not pass by the one who called out to him saying, Oh, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. When the blind man was crying out in the midst of the crowd, God still heard his cry and stopped. Even though the men around tried to stop him from screaming out. He came to this man. And he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to see. And he touched him and he opened the blind eyes. He can hear you in the midst of a crowd if you are thirsty and calling out his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And 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 Jesus said in Matthew, in John's Gospel, chapter 7, and let's read from verses 37 to 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Not everybody who believes is filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, they are led by the Holy Spirit. Yes, the spirit of God is working them. Yes, the spirit of God is giving them the revelation that he is God that's the work of the Holy Spirit but here God wants to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of the spirit the third person of the Holy Spirit will be indwelling in you and he said by this he meant the spirit with whom those who believed in him were later to receive in John 7:37 to 39 and the bible says up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified talking about Jesus's death and resurrection And after Jesus died and rose again and as the people gathered together and as they were praying and as they were seeking the Lord and as Jesus told them not to leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift the father promised the Holy Spirit and they prayed and God sent down his spirit and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And god will give you that gift which he promised and look at that in, in acts of the apostles chapter number two and verse number 38 and 39 also the same promise that he uh peter when he preaches he repeats he quotes from joel and he says in verse 38 and uh you know in verse 17 first we read 17 acts 2 17 in the last days god said i will pour out my spirit on all people that's a fulfillment here that just happened and then come down to verse 38 and 39 rip Peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and look at this promise in verse 39 the promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off for all whom the Lord our God will call do you see that exactly happening right here in Acts of the Apostles what was prophesied by Isaiah about 800 years before Jesus was born amen hallelujah that's the the spirit of God given as a gift to every one of us and so let's not do anything else to substitute the coming of the spirit and the blessing of God which is the spirit of God himself given to us Which is the greatest blessing let's not substitute and fill our lives with anything else because anything else that we fill our lives with anything else that we crave for and thirst and hunger for anything else that we try to fill and satisfy might seemingly feel satisfactory at the moment for a period of time but at some point or the other everything that is temporal is bound to vanish and it will leave you dry it will leave you wanting it will leave you you know expecting for something and You will only find yourself at a place where nothing has been satisfying you enough. But unless a person receives the spirit of the Holy God who created them, their heart and their soul will never be satisfied. Amen hallelujah and so let's be open to the holy spirit and receive the empowerment of the holy spirit those who truly receive the holy spirit you know what happens this is one of the signs that you see when the spirit of god comes upon a person in isaiah chapter 44 let's go back to the text in verse number uh, three and four we've been reading and looking at it as how this is god's master plan number one we looked at how god loves us the love of God and secondly we're looking at God's spirit given to us and this is a sign when God's spirit comes upon a person verse 4 you will see they will spring up like grass in a meadow like poplar trees by flowing streams they will spring up like grass they will begin to flourish they will stand strong and tall and grow big and flourish like poplar trees poplar trees grow anywhere between 65 feet to about 135 or 160 feet These are huge trees which have a diameter of uh, about 8 feet, huge. These are massive ones. They will never be shaken. The storms may come, the winds may blow, but they will not fall. They will stand strong. And this is the kind of life, this is the way or this will be the outcome of life of a person who's living in the spirit of God who's being led by the holy spirit who's being uh, who's been empowered by the holy spirit it will reflect in every every area of their lives you know you will not see them barren and dry and you will you will see the flourishing you will see the glory of God you will see the presence of the spirit of the Lord even in their face you will see them not withering and their life will be blossoming and prospering. You will see it on their face. You will see it in their clothing. You will see it in their fitness. You will see it in their clarity of thought. You will see it in the decisiveness, in the decisions, the way they make their decisions. You will see in the certainty of the way they are moving ahead in their lives. They won't be fumbling and falling. And they won't be trying to be groping in the dark and trying to figure out what they have to be doing in their lives. They'll, there will be much clarity and certainty and an assurance and they will be led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. It will not be an unsettled, restless life. Their life will be well, you know, ordered because the Spirit of God is in them. Hallelujah. That's how you see in verse number four and in they will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing... Dreams. This is the way the person who has the spirit of God will, you know, begin to manifest the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God will manifest. Hallelujah! It doesn't come through makeup. It doesn't just come because you got that sari for fifty thousand rupees. It doesn't just come because you know you went to the best you know hairdo uh, parlor. It doesn't happen because of that. It will simply be reflected in every area of your life. It is not something which is artificially made up. Amen. The glory of God will just manifest through your life. People will begin to see the presence of God in your life. And that's the coming of the Holy Spirit. And and let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. But let's be having the Holy Spirit who has been given to us as a gift for the day of redemption. As we read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. The seal of the Holy Spirit it's a seal with the coming of the spirit into your life hear me well the coming of the holy spirit into your life is a seal that god places over your life for the day of redemption amen you're sealed for the day of redemption there's a day of redemption that's coming but that will be a day of judgment for the world there'll be a day of weeping and gnashing for the world the ungodly the wicked will perish in hell's fire but for those who are having the spirit of god in them this holy spirit will seal them and on the day of redemption you will be safely you will cross the shore and you will be with jesus forever and ever because you have the holy spirit in you you have the spirit of god himself in you that's a guarantee the seal is a guarantee you've been sealed you've been protected you've been preserved forever and and What greater blessing you want to have to ensure as you live in this world that your children, your descendants, your offspring are also sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. Hallelujah. What profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What profits a man if he gains the whole world and ultimately will lose his soul? Would you have the Holy Spirit where you will be sealed as it says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 for the day of redemption? And quickly, we'll move on and we'll finish with this in verse 5. One will say, I belong to the Lord. In Isaiah 44 and verse 5, one will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. Now, this is the master plan of God. He extends his love to us. He appeals, going back to his love. He comes appealing to us, calling calling us to be with him calling us into a relationship with him and saying i'm going to give you my spirit and on the dry and the thirsty land i will give and you will see all these manifestations of the work and the presence and the power of the holy spirit in your life and while you enjoy this presence and the power of the spirit what's going to happen is that because you are chosen and you have been sealed for the day of redemption and the the holy spirit is in your life what's going to happen is one will come and say i belong to the lord Another will come and call himself by the name of Jacob. He will say, I belong to God. He will call himself by the name of Israel. What does it mean? Is that the Gentiles who are not called by the name Israel, who are not called as Jacob, those who are the ungodly, those who are the heathen, those who are the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, because of what the spirit of God that God will give to his people, and he has given to us as well. And because of this, the nations around, the peoples around will see and know that these are the people of the living God. And they will say, I want to belong to your God. That's what Ruth did to Naomi. She didn't cling on to Naomi because Naomi had a lot of property. She didn't cling on to Naomi because Naomi is going to have another man like Sharukan, Khan, whom she can marry. Naomi didn't cling on to Ruth. Uh, sorry Ruth didn't cling on on to Naomi for any of those reasons but she said your God will be my God your people will be my people why because she saw something because the spirit of God was there among his people even though Naomi was dealing with her own tragedy Ruth saw something in the midst of the tragedy Hallelujah, when you have the spirit of God, even the most tragic situations will turn out for his glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, that will draw people to Jesus, that will draw people to the people of God. Your people will be my people. She comes with a sense of great desire to belong. Now We live in a world where people don't want to belong where people want to cut off and run away because people want independence people want to be alone people want to you know stay away from people that's why you know gadgets like these become very handy for that because even if you're on facebook you're not seeing anybody's face (laughs) but let's face the book and the book says that when you have the spirit of god people want to come and belong to you it's not just liking on you know on a social media platform and saying i just like it and many people like it for many other many many reasons not just because they like you don't just get deceived because they give you a like on your post they'll really like you (laughs) but here there are people willing to like They, they they see the people of god who are filled with the love of god they see the people of god who are full of the holy spirit and they see them flourishing and blossoming in their lives And they see the manifestation of the spirit in their lives and they're saying, one will say, I want to belong to the Lord. Another will come and say, I want to belong to Jacob, to Israel. I want to be called by that name. What happens to you is going to impact other lives. You walking in the spirit, you being filled with the Holy Spirit is going to touch somebody else's life. This is even before you begin to proclaim about who Jesus is. It's going to cause an impression on somebody's life. Hallelujah. The impression that you leave on someone's life cannot be erased. We can talk things. We can argue people into something. We can compellingly convince people into something there is an impression that is created in their hearts. They take a picture in their minds and that picture about us cannot be erased. Are you with me this morning? We can talk a lot, we can brag a lot, we can be impressive with words, but there are an impression, there are pictures that people take in their minds that cannot be erased and nobody can alter that. They see the reality, they see the truth. And so when you have the love of God and you're filled with the spirit of God, people are going to be taking pictures of you. Not to post it on Facebook. But they're going to be taking pictures of you in their minds and they will come to you and say, I want to belong to your God. I want to be called by your name. The name of Israel, which is God's church. Here it's talking about how this is a mystery that Isaiah is prophesying about times to come, which was in fact even hidden at that time. This full-blown revelation of God's church and the coming of the Spirit and through the coming of the Spirit, the church will be born was not revealed explicitly to the prophets and the patriarchs of old, but now has been revealed by His Spirit to us. And so now when we read the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, we see the full revelation of it. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Aren't we privileged today to be able to even read it and understand it in this way the Lord spoke to his people. Hallelujah. For one day, there will be a day that will come when the Gentiles are going to come in. And that is going to happen when Jesus dies and rises again. And when he gives gives his spirit to the people of Israel and from Israel, the gospel is going to be proclaimed to all the nations of the world. And when they see the godly, when they see those who have the spirit of God in them, people are going to be drawn to them. There's a power that is within you that's going to attract people to Jesus. There's a power that is within you that's going to draw many lives into the kingdom of God. Right where you are in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your college, among your friends. People around you, there are many of them who do not know Jesus but because you have the spirit, something's going to happen. Would you touch your neighbor and say something's going to happen? Hallelujah. Something's going to happen through you. Something is going to happen. There's a power within you that's going to draw people because of what God has done in our lives and because the presence of the Lord and the spirit of God we carry, there's something that's going to attract and draw people to Jesus and to his church. Read with me in Titus chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. Let's close. Titus chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. To try to please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show them that they can be fully trusted. So that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. So that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Everybody say attractive. Hallelujah. God wants you to be attracting people. Not in the bad sense of attraction. Not for the wrong reasons but to be attracting people to him to be attracting people to his people like ruth was attracted to the god of naomi and to the people of naomi hallelujah brother sister you have a power that is in within you that will draw people to you hallelujah that will draw people might be your family it might be your husband might be your son it might be your daughter It might be your mother-in-law, your father-in-law. It might be your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law. It might be in-laws or outlaws or whoever it is. There's a power that is within you that will attract people to the God of Israel and to the people of God. This is God's amazing plan. Everything about the transformation that has happened in your life. Let me repeat everything about the transformation that has happened in your life because of the love of God and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Everything that has happened in your life and the way that you are springing up and flourishing and all of that visible expressions that you will manifest through the power of the Spirit will make Christ and his people, that is his church, very attractive to people. That will make Christ and his people very attractive to people around us. They will join Christ and his church. For which Jesus is coming back one day.